Well, good morning again, church, and thank you, Rhonda, for being here. And I would challenge you, if you're looking for a place to get plugged in, to make a difference, uh, see Rhonda after the service or contact one of us. If you still have baby bottles that you left at home, you can still bring them in next week. Uh, we'll make sure and get them to Assurance. So this morning, I don't think we've ever done baby dedication on Father's Day. And at staff meeting, I said, what do you guys think about switching it up? Because normally we have it on Mother's Day. And I didn't know if that was like a sacred cow, like we can't ever do that. But I was encouraged, go ahead, go for it, go for it, absolutely. Um, and so that got me to thinking, you know, I, was, I became a dad about eight years ago. And I don't know that I ever felt so unequipped or unprepared or unready to be a father. I remember we came home from uh, work and Molly had surprised me by putting a picture frame and a card on the kitchen table. And she said, go check that out. And I should have known what was coming, uh, but I didn't. I had no idea. I was totally blindsided. I opened the card and it said, congratulations, daddy. And I couldn't read the rest of it. Like, I was not prepared for what was about to happen. I felt so ill-equipped. Thinking about the responsibility that laid on my shoulders. You know, if we're going to lead our kids as these parents have made the decision to lead their kids to know who the Lord is, we've got to be leading ourselves, right? We can't take someone someplace that we're not going ourselves. And so that got me to thinking recently as I've been preparing for baby dedication, like how do we actually grow our faith? How do we actually take steps of faith towards Jesus? That's our mission statement around here. We're going to move people. We're going to move you on a simple journey towards Jesus. But are we really doing that ourselves? And so God was speaking to me, and God's been working in my heart. I don't really know what it means, but I'm wrestling with this. Like, how do I grow, Lord? How do I grow my faith? And maybe you're sitting here, and you're feeling something similar. Like, I feel stuck. God, how am I going to grow this faith? Maybe you're sitting there, and you think, wow, I used to have strong faith. But I don't know what happened. Maybe COVID, maybe something that happened in your life. Maybe you can think back to a time when you had really, really deep faith. Maybe that's where you are today. And maybe you feel like your faith has been shaken quite a bit. And you feel like you have a weak, ungrounded faith. Maybe that's where you are today. I think we all have that person in our life that we can look to and we say, oh, they have the strongest faith. I wish I could be so much like them. Have you ever felt that? That can be you. You can have that strong faith. I believe that. Maybe today you feel like God's wrestling with something in your heart and he's calling you to do something, but it's going to take a big step like a big leap of faith, like I'm going to have to walk by faith, like God, I'm actually going to have to trust you in what you're calling me to do. Like, I don't want to do this, Father, but I feel like you're nudging me to say, I want you to do this. What do we do in that moment? Sometimes we just let it pass us by. But hopefully today, as we look at Jesus' life and we look at this story from the New Testament, it will help frame our minds to say, okay, God, I can trust you. I believe in you. I want to grow my faith. I'm ready. And so when we look at Jesus, he invited people to follow him. If we look back to the beginnings of the disciples, we see how Jesus walked up to them. Many of them were fishing. Many of them were working their jobs. And what was his simple invitation? Simple yet powerful, follow me. Not just believe in me. Some, we can believe things. But are we truly going to follow him? That was the invitation that Jesus gave to the disciples. And I believe that's the invitation that he gives to you and me today. Jesus also said, follow me, I will make you fishers of men. Remember the disciples had been fishing all night, some of them, and they hadn't caught anything. 
And he turns the phrase on him. He says, I'm going to make you fishers of men. Well, that reminds me of a story. Some of my favorite memories growing up were going to my grandparents' house. They lived in Richmond, and so they were more rural than me, a city boy. And they would often take me to go fishing. Now, I was a terrible fisherman. I can't even call myself a fisherman. (laughs) They would take me to a pond of a local friend's house, and I had my little rod and reel, and I'd try to throw it and get stuck in the weeds, and the worm would fall off, and I was scared to touch it. Like, I hated, I hated fishing, but I loved it at the same time. It was something new, right? It was something that I could learn and sink my teeth into a little bit because it's something that only my grandparents did with me. And I remember the biggest catch I ever made. I was about eight years old, and I remember I was learning how to push the button and throw it, and I tucked it back here, and it felt like it got stuck in the weeds, so I just thought, well, I'm just going to throw it as hard as I can, and it got stuck even more, and I was like, what is going on? So I tried again, tried again, and I turned around, and I feel something on the back of my leg. I have no idea how this happened, but that hook started getting deeper and deeper into my leg, and my grandma had to perform minor surgery that day because there was just no way it was coming out on its own. And I know that's not what Jesus meant when he said fishers of men. I know that. (laughs) But I think that's a comedic representation of how sometimes we feel inadequate. And he says, just follow me. He says, follow me. Scripture records two times in the Bible when Jesus was amazed. I don't know if you've ever heard this. Jesus was amazed at the faith of a centurion who had faith that his servant would be healed if he touched Jesus. And the Bible says that Jesus was amazed at his faith. The second time it says Jesus was amazed, he was amazed at someone's lack of faith. The people that grew up around, that Jesus grew up around, the community, couldn't really understand and believe that he was the Messiah because they had seen him grown up as a boy. And it says that he was amazed at their lack of faith. Time and again in Scripture, we read and we teach the stories in the Bible of people who had amazing faith. Noah had amazing faith to build the ark. Last week in children's ministry, we talked about Joshua, how he had faith to walk around the walls of Jericho. Boston's nodding his head. You remember that? Good. He walked around for six days. On the seventh day, he walked around several times and the walls fell down. We see that they had amazing faith, even though they didn't know necessarily what was going to happen. They didn't know how it was going to work out. They didn't know how the story was going to unfold. But God's saying, if you want that big, awesome faith, you're not going to know how it's going to turn out all the time. We just can't. But would you be willing to meet me there? That's what he's saying. Would you be willing to do what you can do and trust me to do what only I can do so that together we can do something amazing? And so you're sitting there maybe, like I was, inadequate, unprepared, unqualified, too young. Maybe this is how you're feeling today. Too young, too old, not enough money, not enough influence, not enough relationships. But maybe God is sending you a little nudge, saying, I want you to step out in faith in this way. And when we wrestle with that nudge that God gives us, I don't think that's necessarily a lack of faith. Maybe it's a test of our faith. The truth is that you don't know what hangs in the balance of your willingness to follow Jesus. We can never fully know that. But what we do know hangs in the balance is the quality and the size of our faith. 
And if you don't believe me, let's just look at the disciples. So the story we're talking about today is when Jesus fed the 5,000. Maybe you've heard it before. We're going to read from the book of Matthew. It's the only miracle in all four Gospels. So we're going to pull some of the supplemental information from the other books of the Bible. But we're going to read from Matthew chapter 14. So here we go. Matthew 14, 13 says, As soon as Jesus heard the news, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. But the crowds heard where he was headed and followed on foot from many towns. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat, and he had compassion on them, and he healed their sick. So to give some context to this story, we have to know what's going on. Jesus and his disciples have been on kind of a preaching and teaching tour around the countryside and some of the towns that were nearby. And in this story, we see them around the Sea of Galilee. And we see that he has been traveling. He's been on a boat, traveling around, teaching, and that crowds were following him. And it says that Jesus heard some news. Now, to understand what that news was, you have to read a few verses up above our text this morning. The news was that John the Baptist, one of Jesus' closest friends, the prophet, the one who baptized Jesus, maybe was a relative of Jesus, many believe, had been killed. So picture Jesus in a grief-stricken state wanting to get away to be with his father. He wanted to go to a remote place. And we understand that Jesus felt the emotions that we feel. And maybe you've been there at one point of your life. Maybe you're there now where you've lost someone that's close to you. And you understand you're just feeling down. You need your father to lift you up. And that's how Jesus felt. If you're feeling that way today, know that Jesus felt that and feels that with you. So they're at the Sea of Galilee, and we know that's about eight miles wide and 13 miles long, and it's still there. You could go visit that today. And the text says that they're teaching, and they're, and they're preaching, and they're healing the sick, and the disciples are right there by Jesus, trying to learn from him, because Jesus knows at some point he's going to go away. He knows he's got a lot to teach them in a really short amount of time, and he's teaching them about the kingdom of heaven. He's trying to teach these guys as much as he can. And so we see that Jesus wants to retreat, but instead he chooses to minister. He wants to get alone with God, and instead he sees these people as shepherdless sheep. He sees them as having no spiritual leader, but instead of having, uh, being annoyed with them, he chooses to have compassion on them, and he heals their sick. So Jesus moves with compassion. The text continues, verse 15. That evening the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place. It's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy food for themselves. But, Jesus said, that isn't necessary. You feed them. So the story continues. Jesus has been teaching all day long. It's it's hot. It's tired. They're, They're hungry. And they're getting concerned, right? The disciples and their fleshly being are getting concerned. Like, there's all these people, and we have no way to feed them. And they bring that concern to to Jesus. It says they were in a remote place, the northeast part of the Sea of Galilee, which is kind of like a wilderness. It's funny when that was in our song this morning. Kind of like a wilderness. Not like a desert, necessarily, but, but a place, maybe a metaphor for how Jesus was feeling. He was tired. He was filled with grief because his close friend had passed away. 
the disciples bring this issue to him. Have you ever brought an issue to God? Have you ever been willing to say, look, God, I'm struggling with this. I need your help. That's kind of what the disciples are doing here. But it's so funny what Jesus' response is. He says, that isn't necessary. You feed them. And if you can imagine what the disciples, disciples are feeling in this moment, like, there's no way, Jesus. I hear what you're saying, but it doesn't make sense to me. There's no way we're adequate enough. We're prepared enough. We don't have money for this. We don't have time. We don't have villages. We don't, I mean, we don't have markets. We don't have DoorDash. We don't have McDonald's. We don't have, we don't have none of that, right? <laughs> what are you talking about, Jesus? Instead, he says, you feed them. He's saying, I want you to participate. You want to do something big? I want you to participate. It's the same invitation he gives to you and me. You want me to, see, you want me to do something big in the city of Versailles? I want you to participate. You want me to do something big in the history of Journey Church? I want you to participate. You want me to do something big in the life of your children? I want you to participate. Jesus invites us to participate. The text continues, verse 17. But we have only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here, he said. Now, Matthew doesn't give a lot of detail here. So if we go to the other books, we understand that Andrew, one of the disciples, sees that this little boy is coming up and bringing his lunchbox to the disciples in an effort to be part of the solution. And inside the lunchbox, they open it up and they see five loaves of bread. Now, as a kid, I was thinking these loaves were like the gigantic six-foot subs from Subway. (laughs) But doing research, it's about the size of a biscuit or a hamburger bun. Food for the common people that would fit inside a lunchbox. That makes sense. And two fish about the size of my hand used for pickling, probably what I used to catch in that pond. (laughs) Five loaves of bread and two fish And Jesus says what? He says, bring them here. Bring them to me. And I'm thinking about who's the hero in the story, because maybe some of you have heard this story before. Who's the hero? Because we have Jesus who's about to do what he's about to do. We have the disciples who are concerned and and scared, and they're just trying to rely on Jesus. And then we have the little boy who's bringing something to the table, right? He's bringing what he has. And the disciples have been walking alongside Jesus, learning from him, watching Jesus do ministry. And they say, here, here's what we've got. (laughs) Maybe that's a lesson for us, to bring Jesus what we've got. Now, we don't all have the same thing, right? We don't have all the same talents, gifts, abilities, income, influence, relationships, Family, we don't have the same thing, but don't miss the lesson. Bring me what you've got. It's what Jesus says. Depend on me, Jesus says, with what you have and watch how I'm going to work. You want to have influence? You want to teach someone about Jesus? You want to share with your neighbor the gospel? Bring to Jesus what you have. When we serve in a ministry that we take personally, We experience God's power and God's faithfulness. When we share the gospel with someone we love, we experience God's grace and his favor. Bring me what you got, Jesus says. Nothing causes us to depend more on God. 
than pushing through our inadequacies and relying on him. Verse 19 says, Then he told the people to sit down on the grass. Jesus took five loaves and two fish. He looked up towards heaven and he blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he gave the bread to the disciples who distributed it to the people. In a way, Jesus was the first event planner. He's, he's organizing people into groups of 50 and 100 sitting in the grass. And as we could say, the rest is history, right? Jesus takes the bread, and I kind of wish I was, if I could go back in history, this might be one that I could, would choose to go back to. And he's standing there, and he's saying, all right, God, I know what's about to happen. You know what's about to happen. I'm the messenger. I'm the vehicle that you're using to do your work. I know these people don't know what's about to happen, <laughs> but they're going to be amazed. And I hope they connect what's about to happen. Is me connected with you, Father? Thank you for how you're going to bless us. Thank you for what you're about to do. And the disciples walk up to Jesus and he hands and puts some food in their basket and they walk out to the crowd and they start delivering. As they come back, there's just more and more and more coming. It's so plentiful. But the lesson is that they did what they could do. And they trusted God to do what only God could do. And Jesus multiplied what they brought. Verse 20 finishes up the story. They all ate as much as they wanted, and afterward the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. About 5,000 men were fed that day, in addition to all the women and children. So we get a few details here. The disciples went around, were collecting the extras. They had 12 baskets left over of food to, to carry on their ministry. So we say it's the feeding of the 5,000. But when you count the women and children, 10, 15, some people think 20,000 were fed that day. The miracle that Jesus committed. And if you read on, what happens next is so interesting. You would think they might sit there and like be excited and just enjoy and celebrate. But Jesus says, I have to go in solitude. I want you to get in the boat, row to the other side, and I'll meet you there. And if you read what happens next, I, I challenge you to investigate that for yourself. The disciples drop the ball. <laughs> they get frustrated. They get flustered. There's a storm that comes and they freak out and they're like, Jesus, we can't do this. We need you. And Jesus goes over and helps them again. But he's trying to connect the miracle and the lesson of the fishes and loaves to the understanding that, look, guys, one day you're going to carry the torch. One day this is going to be on you to teach about the kingdom of God. One day, this is going to be your ministry because I'm not going to be here. Trust me, he's almost begging them. This is the way of the kingdom of God. This is the way that the world changes. If you flash forward a little bit to the end, towards the end of Jesus' life, he's standing on a hillside. The disciples, some followers, some men and women who've been uh, around him. And he's literally handing over the keys to the ministry that becomes the local church. And he's challenging them. He says, I want you to go into all nations, baptizing and teaching and preaching. And I can see the disciples again feeling that, well, I can't do that. I'm inadequate. I don't have what it takes. Someone else is going to have to do that. I've only been 50 miles for, away from home. There's no way I can do that. You want us to do the impossible? And Jesus is saying, just do what you can do and trust me to do what only I can do. 
And maybe this is where you find yourself today. I think at some point, we all as Christ followers find ourselves in this position. This nudge that Jesus and God might be giving us, we have a chance to say yes, and we have a chance to say no. But if we're willing to take what's in our lunchbox and offer that up to God and say, God, I trust you. I want to grow in my faith. That little nudge to serve or to step in or to step out, to invite someone, to forgive someone, to teach someone, to lead someone, that's your opportunity to experience God in a way you never will from the sidelines. Never will. It can't happen. That feeling of I don't have what it takes, I'm inadequate, I don't have enough whatever, that's the enemy trying to attack you, to keep you from doing that. You'll never know what hangs in the balance of your willingness to trust God. But you know that your quality and the size of your faith does hang in the balance. How do I know this? Because I'm standing here today because of my family and many individuals who are pouring into my life and the grace of God. Listening to this nudge positions us to experience God's power in our weakness and positions us to experience God's faithfulness in response to that little itty-bitty, I'll give you what I got, faith, God. So if you want enduring and strong faith, if you want your faith to grow, you've got to step out before you're ready because you're never going to be ready. You've got to step out before you know what's going to happen because you may never know what's going to happen other than your faith is going to get bigger. And the people who do this in their life are the people who change the world. Maybe you're here. You're a believer because someone invested in you. Someone opened the door and invited you. Somewhere in the world, someone's story hasn't been written yet. Because God is ready for you to step up and say, yes, I trust you. Maybe someone's life or someone's child, someone's marriage, someone's grandchild, someone's faith will be changed once you step up and make available to God what's in your lunchbox. There's a story that's yet to be told. And your heavenly father's just saying, bring me what you got. You give them something to eat. You feed them. Let's pray. Father, this story, it's one that's so personal to me, and I pray it's personal to my friends. Pray, Father, that these nudges that you give us would be an opportunity, would be an opening to not only a deeper relationship with you, but an opportunity to grow our faith, an opportunity to step out, to not know what hangs in the balance, but to trust you. You ask us to trust you. And I pray that we would have the faith. We would exercise that muscle in trusting you. Thank you for the grace, the love that you give us each and every day. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.